it could be a messy type of year where you have these upswings and downswings, feast or famine. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with market analyst and former hedge funder Thomas Thornton. If you haven't yet watched part one of this discussion with Tom, in which he explains why he sees more economic pain ahead, head over to our channel at youtube.com Wealthion and watch it there first. It sets the context for the investment themes we discuss in this video. Tom also kindly shares the details of what's currently in his portfolio. And you'll want to hear it, as despite the bruising losses the markets took in 2022, Tom's own portfolio managed to produce a gain of 53% last year. All right, let's get started watching part two of our interview with Thomas Thornton. I do want to shift to the market side of things. Um, what do you expect the markets to, to do from here? Um, you know, you, we talked at the very beginning of the interview about how you think they're... Um, I can't remember the word you picked. Was it absurd or something like that in terms of the disconnect between current prices and, and the macro data? But um, what kind of year are you expecting in the markets? I, I again, I, I look. I, I wouldn't. You know, there's a lot of people that, that have these year-end price targets, and you know, all the strategists on the street have price targets. The main, the main strategists are were like thirty-eight hundred to forty-two hundred, so they were in this tight range. I really don't care what the end of the year looks like because it it could be a messy type of year where you have these upswings and downswings, feast or famine. And so I I think again I think that earnings are going to be really important for Q1. Uh, if we run up into earnings, uh, if we this market just continues to run up into the March meeting, that maybe the Fed will do 50 basis points. Um, I think. I read today that the further, you know, the hikes in May are pretty much going to happen. I, look, the market's running higher um, when Powell is trying to tell people that we're going to continue to raise rates uh, until inflation is at two percent. It just makes no sense to me that that they're going to people are fighting the Fed aggressively by buying stocks, which I, I, I get. You know, sometimes you just have to hold your nose and buy. But the, the risk is that those earnings come down. Um, this we create another bubble. I mean, the Fed. I, I, I skew off something real quick. The Fed is great at fixing problems that the problems that they created by fixing other problems that they created, and we're in this endless loop of that where they, you know, they they. They're they're fighting inflation. They're, that's their job, their mandate. But they basically, with their stimulus of four trillion dollars and all the other stuff that they did, lowering rates, they created another bubble. And now they're fixing inflation and they're diligent about it. I, I, look, I, I just think that that I mean, in many respects, if we just if if the Fed just stopped raising rates and said nothing, I mean, they talk too much as well. They're they're constantly talking. If they just stopped raising rates and the market was just left there saying, okay, well, what are we going to do? Then I think the markets would probably price into a, themselves into a more rational market. 
but it's always this the hope that the Fed's going to be there. And, and look, we're conditioned to it as people that have been in the markets for 30 years. We're conditioned to watching what the Fed Fed does or what they might do next. And uh, again, I, I'm sort of blown away by sort of reading my screens over here. Basically, someone just said, F your puts. That was somebody in my chat room. <laughs> uh, someone said nothing. He really said nothing to the point. Um, but basically, our people are thinking that he remains the same, you know, is dovish. And I, maybe he knows some some news that we don't know. But I, again, I think the Fed just makes it up as they go. And that, I mean, uh, yeah, there's no, that's it. The, the Fed makes it up. Okay, I'm going to just say it right there. They make it up as they go. They'd rather have the markets going up because there's less political flack on them. And they don't want to cause a depression. Okay. But again, inflation is going to stay higher. Consumers' bank balance sheets are going to decline. And then what's going to happen? It becomes more of a crash scenario for a lot of people. And trust me, anybody that loses their job um, and then they start, they can't find new jobs, that that for them is a hard landing. That's a hard landing right there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, I talk about that a lot. Is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the economists are dickering about the official definition of a recession. Um, it, it's there when you are afraid of losing your job or you lose your job, right? And and I, listen, I've been there. I've been through cycles. I've had firms go up and I've had firms go down. And and I've had, you know, I, I, I back in 2001 uh, at the tech bubble burst, uh, the firm I worked work for uh, laid off three quarters of the firm. And uh, certainly not easy to handle. Um, and when you have high inflation, it, it makes it even even harder to feed your family and um, and find a new job. Because the jobs are, are, I think companies are hoarding uh, workers right now. And until they need to start to lay off people, um, and, and we're not talking, you know, Meta, they had a bloated um, right. amount of employees, but it's it's when just the, the the people that you go to stores, you know, your local um, restaurant, you start to see fewer people there. That's when things really start to get, they, they hit home. Yeah. And, you know, I so I track layoffs pretty closely. And initially people were trying to be dismissive of, oh, it's just big tech. It's those bloated Silicon Valley companies, right? But the contagion is really spreading into a number of different other um, non-tech uh, verticals, categories, sectors now. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, like you said, like that's just, that's the game changer is when people are, are you know, obviously it's game changer when they lose their income because they can't buy stuff, right? Um, but But also it's when they're afraid of losing their income is when people start tightening their purse strings. And because the economy is so driven, consumer spending driven, that fear has a big impact in and of itself, that negative wealth effect. So then we we go back to the whole demand issue. Right. This right. is going to be a clean, clean quarter. Uh you have basically every it's 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 a perfect scenario. You have the markets are going up, um, you have unemployment at record lows, you have liquidity in the in the system, 
but is the consumer going to slow down and and not buy an iPhone, not buy a Tesla? And are those companies what, what for example, Amazon Web Services. They they're a brilliant company. It's the it's the core of Amazon and it's what where they make their money. Uh, a year ago they were growing at 40%. Um, they just reported uh, a big downtick uh, this quarter and pro- projected next quarter, this quarter we're in now, will grow at only 20%. So that's a big deceleration. And what happens after the quarter after this? Are they going to say they're going to grow in the mid-teens? And oh, maybe mid-teens is still great for companies, but those companies are going to they have so many different clients and so many different websites that they handle. And it's a great indicator, by the way, that if those companies are pulling back on AWS services, then I think that that's a big problem that's across the board on websites out there. I mean, I, I, I have a website, I use Amazon web services, um, but if people start to pull back their, that could be a big, big tell um, for the economy. So that that's one that I'm really watching. That's an interesting indicator. Okay, that's great. Well, okay, so like, so you you don't get to go to war with the markets you wish you had. You go to the war with the markets that you have, right? So h- how are you approaching allocating in this environment? Like, what's what's your approach? Well, one of the things that I I show on, I mean, hedge fund telemetry. I have a model portfolio. Uh, it's it's Every trade that I do uh, is reported on one of three notes that goes out every day. And they're all tracked, the winners and the losers and the even the stinkers are in there. But I, I have a uh, I have parameters that I try to stress to people uh, what to do. I, I don't go over 5% on any initial allocation. Uh, I try to keep my sizing uh, restrained. Um, I, I think the biggest way, one of the best ways to lose money is to have too large of a position in something that's not working. The other thing is um, I I like to keep my anxiety levels down. So if I have a 5% position in something or a 2% position in something and it's going against me, it's not going to necessarily kill me. Uh, It's not going to change my day, week, month, or year. Uh, So that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to stay very... uh, diversified and I'm currently I'm currently net short 30% and I have a fair amount of cash on the on top of that I mean 30% net short of what I currently have uh, I have a couple of value ideas in there that are as longs uh, I like Paramount which um it's the cheapest of any media company they do have some growth issues they're spending a lot of money on their content I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that they can uh, they can harvest there. I like Verizon as much as it's it may be the most boring stock, but if you get a return of five six percent and they have a five percent or four and a half percent return on their yield, that's not so bad. So mm-hmm. I, I like that. And people people tend to pay their phone bills first, right? And because they've got to stay connected to their Twitter and TikTok and 
they got to watch their wealth videos. I mean, come on. That that as well. And but then again, we're seeing one other thing that's a little concerning is that we're seeing um, repossession rates go up on cars. Cars. So we're starting to see that in the consumer place that that starts to hit. And then that moves into housing uh, down the road. So I have I have some housing shorts um, that I mentioned. I'm short Tesla. Um, they're a little car company. Um, I did take a lot off lower. Uh, my average is a hundred points higher than than where it is now. Uh, I took I took uh, the majority of it off uh, lower. I know the stock pretty well. It does crazy stupid things and goes up and. I avoided uh, a lot of the upside uh, in my face action, and um, I'm probably I probably will add to it because that's one of the companies that I think will have a demand problem, uh, even as they have lowered prices, which in- includes a margin problem. So I have that, um, and I'm just curious because we're going to get comments from the Tesla folks. Oh, hi, Tesla quick. folks! It's not personal. Yep, it's technical. <laughs> Yeah, problem is with Tesla folks, it's always personal. But um, just real quick, since you mentioned it, um, in a nutshell, why do you expect a demand problem there? Uh, or do well, you mean like we were talking earlier, just just a consumer yeah. affordability they be able to afford less? Look, it's it it goes into the higher rates, makes it harder to buy cars. Uh, they have a very tired uh, fleet of cars that they haven't made any changes to. Uh, for a while, uh, China's reopened, and the China data from December to January was better. But if you look at from November to January, the data is actually down. Uh, that's with huge price cuts, and it, it it's uh, that in itself. They have two new factories that are coming online, uh, so they're not going to have a supply issue. Their supply chains are reopened. So there's going to be a lot of cars to buy, and they're not necessarily cheap. A lot of them are going to, some of them are going to get the benefit of the the tax credit that's out there, but you've got to jump through a bunch of hoops and uh, uh, make less than $150,000 to buy a $50,000 car. It's it's a stretch, Um, but look, I could be wrong. Um, Stock is one that just has uh, a crazy mentality to it. Yeah, that's uh, fine. On the I, I didn't want to rattle side, on wait, Tesla. On a... You could talk about it forever. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> the bane of my existence. I'm short Coinbase. I'm just looking at my portfolio here. I'm short Coinbase. And I just added it back um, a few days back. And I think their earnings are going to be weak next, or when they come out, I think they're out next week and just because the entire quarter that they just had um, crypto went nowhere and we just had like a nice bounce um, and I don't know if that's necessarily reinvigorated the crypto people but I think uh, it comes down to um, transactions and I, I just think that the, I don't think I and this was when I was short a while ago or and I covered this one in a lot lower, I mean, 50% lower um, recently, and it's just spiked up. So 
I'll take advantage of the, the timing on these and uh, cover low and and sell short high. On the long side, I like Disney. They report this week. Um, I think that um, the company could surprise, and I like that uh, there is an activist investor involved that um, Disney's resisting. And mm -hmm. if you go back to the Procter & Gamble uh, uh, scenario with uh, Nelson Peltz, he tried to become an act, you know, he was an activist in, in Procter & Gamble. They resisted and he, he got on the board. They instituted his changes and the stock went crazy on the upside. And ultimately, uh, when Nelson Peltz resigned from the board, uh, the CEO said he, he was absolutely fantastic. And I know some people that are good friends with him. He's a tough cookie, but he's very, very good. He's a very good operator. So um, I think Disney has a lot of, I mean, it's, I think it's, I like media companies, as you can kind of tell. I can tell, um, yeah. I was a media trader at one one point in my career. So I like, I like Disney on the long side. I'm long Ford. And um, that's been actually about that lower. And that's actually been a sort of a pair trade with, um, with Tesla. So I'm up 16% in that and um, offset some of the, the small amount of Tesla that I have short. It's, it's done. Okay. I was long lucid by the way um, at the lows and I made like 20% on it. And this was right before the stock went, you know, crazy on some rumor. And I got out of it. I was like, oh, that would have been nice. But uh, sometimes I, I will uh, see some of the indicators that I use and hold my nose and pair off something against another idea. Um, and so that that offset some of the Tesla uh, lift as well. Um, I'm short gold, which is probably not very popular with people. But I think the dollar could go up. From here, it and is, is that why you're shorting gold as a as a response trade to the a stronger dollar? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the dollar could go. I think the dollar could go up from here. I have a lot of indicators that are that are telling me that, and I'm short um, home builders. Hey, do you mind? As, so only because you mentioned them earlier. Do you mind sharing those two ETFs, the home builder oh, ETFs? IT, yeah, ITB and uh, XHB. And they're 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 mostly the same, but one of them, I forget which one, has Home Depot and Lowe's and Williams Sonoma and uh, other uh, uh, suppliers, Sherwin Williams and Masco and Mohawk. They, 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 okay. Those start to, and those companies have also seen contraction in their business as well. So if people are buying less paint. I mean, I think Home Depot is probably a, a good one to, to watch because generally the spring season, there's a lot of new houses sold. And when you buy a new house, you go to Home Depot and you fill up your basket twice with everything you need from mops to brooms to light bulbs to batteries and all the other stuff that you need for a new home. So if that if the housing market doesn't really turn over, I think that's going to be under that that'll be a risk in the spring. I'm not short Home Depot, but I'm just doing it with the um, with the ETFs. I again, I don't really have major conviction uh, overall in the market right now. I, I, there's times where I, I get really, really bold up, and that's when people are like Tommy, feeling okay. 
you know, because it looks <laughs> like it's coming to the end of the world. <clears throat> and then there's times where I get really bared up and I'm not, I'm sort of neutral, leaning more bearish right now. Okay. Well, Tom, look, thank you so much for being so generous and transparent with us. You've given our viewers a lot of different uh, you know, positions to go research. Um, uh, and I do remember talking to you last time when you were in the middle of, of your success in 2022. And just to remind folks, uh, Tom's portfolio was up 53% last year. I remember you crediting at the time saying um, it was position sizing that was just a huge part of your success there. Um, does that remain true here? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, again, I, I, I traded a lot more last year because we added a third note, a mid-morning note. And there were a lot, there were times where I'd get really, again, really bulled up and I'd have, I'd buy 20 longs. And then there were times where I had 20 shorts and um, I try to have some longs and shorts at the same time. But I, I will say um, my, you know, people say, well, did you have one that stood out as, as a big winner? Well, I had some that were really big percentage winners, but I never had anything that was just like that. Tesla, for example, contributed 6% to my gain last year. And that was a big winner on the short side. Uh, so I keep it diversified. I think there's a way of of keeping your size small and just grinding it out every day. And um, it's not a day trader type thing, but it uh, more swing trading. And sometimes trades can last a little longer. And I have a few that are longer term in nature. But uh, yeah, that's not going to happen this year. I think if I could, if I can squeeze out twenty percent, uh, I'd be thrilled. That that would be you know, better than uh, my expectations. Um, I mean, I don't walk on water. I put, post all my wins and losses on the site and uh, the, the, even the, the worst ones. And I'll say this, I, I like to, and this may sound um, funny to some people, but I like to take losses. Uh, it clears my head and I don't have to think about them anymore. And keeping size small, um, I, I'm able to not have to take, it's not going to be debilitating to me. I'm not going to be right. um, upset. And um, I think that's just how I operate it. And um, again, um, it's it's a long year. There's going to be a lot of different swings. I'll change my mind quite often, long side, short side, Um all right. Well, look, Tom, you're right, you're yeah. welcome to come back on the program anytime this year to share I'll, your updated. I'll call you. I'll you call have. you when I get really bullish. Okay. When a anytime you want, we'd love to have you on here. And, and and it's so valuable, I think, for the audience here to see how, you know, um, you're not managing others' money these days, but you're showing how a professional, experienced hedge funder thinks, right, and how they approach investing and and how their mind works. And that's not something the average investor gets insight into every day so it's it's super yeah, valuable I, so anytime managed, you want to come on to share it yeah i have i have capital of mine and and a couple friends that uh uh i i help them out with um so that's uh that's one thing um i have no no plans on running an etf or uh launching a new hedge fund it's it's more hassle um done it been there done that and um <laughs> 
It's, well, I, well, I, I, really, I get it. And, I, and I'm sure there's people here who would love to give you their money, even to get a 20% return this year. And I say, even you know, well, because of comparing it to your return you know, last year. <laughs> past performance is no guarantee for future results. And uh... it, it's not. But where I'm going with this is um, the last question I always ask is where can people go to learn more about you and your work? And for people that want to continue to see what's inside your brain, the good news is they can. They can go mm -hmm. subscribe to your newsletter. So um, where, where should they go? Okay. And I, I want to say thank you. Um, last time I was on, um, I met a lot of, of your subscribers who became my subscribers. Uh, so that was very nice. And um, I think it was uh, um, some some really solid people that, that are following you. Uh, so it's my site. Synergy, but thank you. Yeah. I enjoy chatting with you. Uh, my site is called Hedge Fund Telemetry. And hedge fund telemetry, um, we offer uh, a couple different price points, uh, but we I gave a discount last time. I don't even have a discount really um, out there, but I'll, I'll make one for you guys. Um, if you use the code markets with an S, um, I'll give a 250 off our annual rate of 750 for the first year annual rate. And uh, so it's five hundred dollars, and you get three notes, three notes uh, a day. A uh, little bit of my humor. Uh, we track market sentiment. All, you know all the good stuff, and uh, so. But I, I'm happy to answer questions if people want to email as well, so they can find me online. I'm on Twitter too. And give us your Twitter handle. Uh, it's Tommy T O M M Y Thornton T H O R N T O N, and. Um, Occasionally, I'll I'll tweet a lot about cars and Formula One and uh, not really food anymore because I I don't like doing that. But I have a lot of market stuff on there. That's what all right. I do. Great. Well, well, look, Tom. Um, when we edit this, we'll put up the the URLs to your website, the discount code, your your um, Twitter handle. Um, and uh, I will say, as somebody who gets your updates throughout the day, I find it super useful to me in terms of um, not just keeping track on, on what the market's doing during the day, but, but seeing it through your eyes in terms of what catches your attention. So I find that a really valuable service. Tom, it has just been a joy having you on this program again. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing so much detail with us and being so generous with your time. Well, thanks, Adam, for having me on. Uh, always great questions. Uh, really. Uh, informed questions that uh, hopefully my answers uh, um, enlightened a few people and uh, sparked some interest. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you, have, you have great subscribers and uh, uh, congrats to you. Um, I should probably come to your conference and uh, maybe I could be like a, a bull and like say Doomberg, you know, I can like go back and forth with Doomberg. I mean, I want to meet him. Does hey, he look like the bird little? You want to you want to make that happen? Exactly. Yeah. Green, green beak, everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, look, to the extent you're interested in that, Tom, we can absolutely make that happen. That might actually be a great video here. Folks, if you want to see a, a Tom and Doomberg video on this channel, let us know in the comments section below. If there's enough interest, we'll definitely make that happen. But Tom, it's a it's a mutual admiration society. Thank you so much. Huge fan of your work. Uh, and like I said, you're welcome to come back on this channel anytime you want to. Um, all right. Well, look, Tom, thanks so much. Everybody else, thanks so much for watching. Well, all right. Well, now's the time on the program where we bring in the lead partners from New Harbor Financial, one of the endorsed financial advisory firms by Wealthion, to both comment 
on what uh, Tom just said, but also a remark on what the markets have been up to since last week. I'm joined as usual by lead partners John Lodra and Mike Preston. Hey guys, Mike, why don't we start with you? Um, what was your What were some of your key takeaways from the discussion here with Tom? Sure, I really enjoyed it, Adam. I'm just looking at my notes here. You know, I really liked um, Tom's demeanor, his humility. I mean, this this man has produced wonderful results. Uh, you know, as you had mentioned last year, 53%. He's really humble about that and says past performance isn't a guarantee of future results. He's right about that, but um, he's done very well and should be proud. And, and his, humil his humility and calm demeanor shines through. And I really in enjoyed that. It's not, it's not a business that's always easy to be calm about. It's um, sometimes difficult. So uh, I admire him for that. You know, he says that the Fed uh, or the, the market doesn't believe the Fed uh, and, and the Fed's playing a game of chicken with the market. I think that's probably true. Just looking at what the market looks like or watching the tape, it, it seems like investors are just dying to catch every little turn. This is a market that spikes up repeatedly and then tends to fade, it seems. Lately, it's been fading. Today, as we're recording here, on Thursday, the market had a really strong open and it's fading today. And one day doesn't really mean anything, but uh, it just, it, it's been a lot of volatility and everyone's trying to catch the turn. And I believe it, it it remains a dangerous market. Tom says that he thinks we might be in a range of uh, 3,500 to 4,400. I mostly agree with that. I think that we might see a little bit lower, maybe down to about 3,200. But this is a market that Really, uh, it, it seems like it's it's it wants to go up. A lot of the the, the indicators are bullish, yet um, it doesn't really seem to be putting in that upside breakout or the upside breakout that looks like it happened last week. It's just kind of been going sideways here for a while. So we'll see what what happens. But I believe there's there's significant risk to the downside, and many participants in this market will feel a lot of pain even if we go down to thirty five or thirty seven hundred. Uh, he says that there's some things that are deeply oversold, natural gas. Uh, we're watching a, a chart of that. Natural gas went from about 10 um, per million BTU to about almost to two. It's a huge drop, natural gas. So he says he's long natural gas. We don't have any plays there, but it's something that uh, we've been been keeping our eye on lately. That's that's a big that's a big move. Um and he talked a little bit about his model portfolio, some of which we agree with and some of which we don't. I found it fascinating, though, that he talks about he likes the, to not worry too much about positions and his maximum position size is about 5%. I think that's good advice for most investors if they want to sleep at night. Uh, he's about 30% net short right now. We at New Harbor are not net short, but we're not very long either. We're, we're only about maybe 10 or 15% net long. Um, so his bias certainly seems to be to the downside. We, I think we would agree with that. We agree with his value uh, bias towards um, you know, things that are beaten down or companies that are beaten down. You know, he mentions a handful of names in his talk. We think you'll do better with value plays if and when the market does take another tumble. Um, and so lastly, to recap, you know, the markets had a really strong start to the year. The NASDAQ is still up, I guess, around 13%. Year to date, the um, the S and P over seven percent, and even the Dow uh, is up two point four percent or something year to date. And the Dow is only maybe eight percent off of its all time high. That all time high back in 
November or uh, November of 21 or January of 22, depending upon which index you're looking at, it's been a, a very controlled decline. There's been no panic. And this bear market that we think we are in is over a year old already. And so there's a saying out there that says, the you know, the bigger the top, the bigger the drop. Uh, this is in contrast to being a healthy pullback that we think is going to jump to new highs, we think this is just a large topping process over the last year or so. So we're doing some things, but we're very lightly exposed. We still have a good amount of cash. And um, I'll stop there. But overall, I, I really enjoyed this talk. All right. Yeah. Um, as when I turned off the um, the camera, um, you know, Tom and I talked for a bit and he really said this is really sort of a trader's market, right? So, uh, Mike, as you said, he, he sort of expects stocks to train, trade largely in a range for the rest of this year. Uh, and he says for him, that's that's actually like perfection. That's the market he loves to have because he can sort of tell by his indicators when things are getting toppy, go more net short, ride the shorts down, go long again, and just make money, you know, each direction when the market moves. Um, I know a lot easier said than done, but but for him, he says that's what his particular style works really well for. And just for the folks who say, oh, you, you, everybody you bring on wealthy on is, is bearish, um, they're, they're not. They're not picked because they are, quote, bears. They're picked because they are data-driven. And most people are looking at the data today and saying, hard for me to be super optimistic. Um, I will say, with the way that Tom described himself, described himself was a perma opportunist. He said, "Look, you know, in, in a range bound market like this, I can find ways to make money on the upside and the downside, and that's all I focused on, right? So I just, I just think there's a lot of opportunity in the market that's coming from here. Um, I also want to note too that um, you mentioned he he mentioned some uh, longs, some value longs that he liked. One of them was Disney, um, that popped six percent this morning. Um, so I hope hope Tom uh, got got." took some profits on that, uh, not only because it, it popped like that, but also to your point, Mike, it has faded along with the market today. I think it's only up about one, you know, one and three quarters percent or something now, right? So those type of signs tend to be um, indicators of when a market's getting toppy, when when it's been jumping and then it keeps trying to jump, but it, it just can't get higher on any permanent level. And that's when things sort of tend to roll over again, at least in the short cycle. So, all right. Um, John, anything that you want to add to Mike's observations about Tom's uh, stuff in general before we talk about his allocation? Not really. I think Mike did an excellent job summarizing Tom's comments. I, I, I liked his talk for, for many of the same reasons. I would just emphasize the position size uh, comment he made. Um, we totally agree with that. In fact, many of the conversations we're having uh, lately with, with uh, prospective clients uh, that come to us for a cons consultation, many of them have... Um, large, you know, holdings, like legacy holdings and in, in say some in individual stocks, some of the darlings over the last, uh, you know, decade, the, the Apples, the Teslas, the Googles, whatever. Um, and, um, you know, they're enamored by those stocks and they have done very well. And in many cases, they have large capital gains embedded in them. Um, but again, position sizes, are, you know, even if you still are very bullish on a given stock, you want to be very mindful of position sizes. So, you know, we, for example, for some some of these clients have counseled them to, you know, kind of um, smartly book some 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 gains, you know, using losses if possible to offset those. But we can also hedge hedge positions to effectively reduce the position size to a more manageable risk um, parameter for, for a client. Um, I, I also would like to emphasize that we agree that, um, 
you know, one need not fear markets that are choppy or range bound or up and down. In fact, uh, a more tactical strategy is, is really meant to exploit that, not with precision or per perfection, um, but with, um, you know, uh, success in that kind of market. And if you look at the six, late 60s through the early 80s, for example, um, the market went pretty much nowhere. In fact, lost money on a inflation adjusted basis, but there was tremendous amount of volatility along that ride that, you know, a more tactical investor, you didn't have to catch all the ups and you didn't have to miss all the downs, just, just catching some of the ups, of, you know, half the ups and missing, uh, you know, 60% of the downs was enough to, 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 to do very, very well over that time period, which a passive investment would have been very poor. So, so our style and our approach, you know, we use options, for example, where we can bring in income to help buffer out some of the volatility and, and uh, tactically shifting between things like short-term T-bills and equities on, on short-term trades and things like that. We think that's uh, an environment that we likewise don't, don't dread. In fact, we, we kind of look forward to it in terms of being able to employ some of the, the skills and, and the tools that we have. Great. Okay. Yeah. And, and hedging, uh, super important just from a portfolio insurance standpoint. But like you said, John, if there's a period where you think it's going to ebb and flow, the hedges can keep you from losing money during the flows, right? Um, so Mike, I'll come to you with this question around hedging. So a point of potential differentiation between uh, Tom's outlook and, and yours at New Harbor is he is uh, short gold right now, where I think you guys are still long in your exposure to precious metals. He said, basically, he's he's short right now because he expects the dollar to strengthen from here. Um, and uh, I don't think you guys necessarily think the dollar might not strengthen. We just did our monthly Q&A on Monday. And I think you guys said, yeah, you're totally open to that uh, potential. Um, so if, if you could explain maybe two things. Um, one, why you're still willing to remain long during this period where a guy like Tom is short. And then second, I'm presuming being long you're relying on hedges that in case the dollar does strengthen and gold does go down as a result, and those are two ifs, uh, you've got protection to the downside because of those hedges. Yeah, I, I, I heard Tom say that he's short gold and I cringed a little bit, maybe because I, I want gold to go up, obviously. Um, and, and But we do our best not to data mine here, you know, and I think that Tom could very well be right. Disappointed to see the two-day drop in gold after um, um, uh, uh, spoke. Yeah, that's what it was I'm trying to think of what day it was. It was last week, um, just after, um, the decision, basically gold dropped almost a hundred bucks in two days and wiped out most of the year's gains. That was pretty disheartening. And yes, I, we also think that the dollar might strengthen the chart is the chart pattern is supportive of that. The dollar might strengthen. Gold doesn't, is not always inversely correlated. So we can't rely on that. We don't want to get out of our gold position just because we might be short-term bullish on the dollar. So I'll say this from, from, uh, from a chart perspective, gold is still intact. Um, it's, it's above the 1820 kind of pivot point that we've been talking about for a while. It looks to be at around 1885 or so right now. And so, you know, while the short-term pullback is disheartening, it's still solidly above the level that we think it looks technically good. Secondly, we have a fundamental component, a fundamental belief about gold here at New Harbor, as many of our clients do, um, that maybe Tom doesn't share. You know, it's gold is kind of like the anti-central banking asset. It gets you out of the system, so to speak. We we have long recommended a 5 to 10% position of your investable assets in gold 
and silver as almost a set it and forget it piece. Now, there's lots of short-term gyrations, but this is the fundamental belief we have in bullion. And we want people to kind of have that and just put it aside. I think the longer chart patterns are supportive of $2,500 gold or so. Uh, Short-term, things are a little more iffy after last week's drop. That, that's that's for sure. As far as the bullion, bullion position goes, we're not really hedging that piece or telling people to hedge that piece. We're telling them to just buy it and put it in a safe or put it in a safe deposit box. The gold mining position in our portfolio is a different story. We have 10%, we have a 10% position in gold mining stocks in our portfolio. You can look at something like GDX as an example uh, of the gold mining space. So GDX is hovering right around 30 right now after bouncing up to maybe 33 or so. Um, we, we think that gold mining stocks offer even better potential longer term than bullion in terms of percentage appreciation, but also they're riskier. They're much more volatile. The chart pattern on gold stocks still looks good, although the pullback is, is again, a little bit disheartening. But on this position, we want to be able to hold it long term. We think the gold's going to 2,500 or above. We think that GDX is going to $55 a share or so or above long term. But short term, it is highly correlated with the S&P 500. So we want to use hedges on that position. And it's hard to describe uh, exactly what that looks like, but I'm just taking a, I'll, I'll pull up this chart here uh, very quickly while I'm going through it. Um, and, and I'll show you that the collar that we presently have on. And we do, you know, continue to monitor this collar. We do continue to change it from time to time. But here's GDX, a daily chart of GDX. And on this position, we have sold calls up at 35, and we use that money to buy puts down at 27. This is our current caller. This actually expires pretty soon, um, next week at February expiration. So we'll be adjusting this soon. So all you can do with a caller is put a ceiling and a floor on the position. It's not perfect. Uh, you know, For instance, if GDX were to roll over and crash, you would still have some losses between the, the present price and the floor. But what it allows us to do is hold through what could likely be big downside moves. And there's been many of them. Back here during the COVID drop, for instance, we had a caller on. And right now we have this caller on that I'm gonna go back to the daily chart and show you. So the problem with hedging is that it's expensive. If you were to just buy puts over and over and over again on GDX, you'd be spending close to 10 to 15% of the, the cost of the position every single year. So you have, to be, you have to be careful. We don't always have a caller on the entire position. Right now we have a caller only on half the position. That's what we feel comfortable with in terms of protection. And we will adjust this. Now, unfortunately with this pullback, um, we're gonna have to adjust it and maybe move the, the price even down a little bit on the next caller, we'll see. Uh, we were hoping we would get a continued move higher, and then we can continue to increase this collar higher and higher over time. But at best, all we're trying to do is not pay net money out for our insurance, and we want to have crash protection. That's probably the best way that I can um, can explain what we're doing here. That's really useful. Thank you for showing that on the chart. Uh, this is one of those instances where a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, all right. Well, thanks. That was super helpful, Mike. Um, 
gentlemen to come back to you and then we're going to wrap things up. Um, another thing that uh, that Tom mentioned on the short side, I'd just love to get your quick opinion on is the fact that he's short a couple of housing ETFs. And we talked briefly about you know, the, the really pretty grim housing data, especially the house building data right now with all the cancellations and everything like that. Uh, and yet a number of these stocks are trading near their all-time highs. Um, so as, as Tom and I talked about, like they, they either know something the rest of us don't, um, or they're just setting themselves up potentially for a big, massive downdraft. Um, do you guys have any sort of opinion from your perch there at New Harbor? Yeah, I'd like to comment on it. First, I just want to make a couple of quick reinforcing comments on Mike's great discussion of, of our view on gold. Um, you know, fundamentally, we like the, the gold mining companies uh, as, as an investment because even relative to the current price of gold, they're still very um, discounted values relative to their historical norms. So, so that position or that sector as uh, investing in the companies themselves need not require a a massive move higher in gold even at current gold prices we think they're they're undervalued and you know there's uh, there's there's some recent consolidation news you know uh, i forget the, the actual headline a couple of days ago a big big gold miner in Mike, i might, know that newmont but, just bought another yes. mine i can't remember the mine yeah. they bought but yeah so so that's usually a pretty bullish sign when there's kind of some consolidation moves you know from a, from a management standpoint anyways um so there's that. And I also do want to, we do have actually a small, small slice of a position that touches natural gas and, and a whole bunch of other commodities. We do have a broad-based commodity slice in, in, um, in our client portfolios that, you know, has a little bit uh, in natural gas via, uh, you know, broader energy, but also covers things like ag agricultural commodities, um, some industrial metals like copper and zinc and things like that. So just want to make that, that one click quick clarification but yeah the housing um home building stocks and uh are, are quite a quite a conundrum to us you know because we see um you know nationwide data that that really speaks to trouble in the housing sector you know uh, record cancellations i think either last quarter or last you know in december for example um you know uh certainly the interest rate moves uh, and and the relative re resiliency of housing prices so far has has not really rippled through in our opinion uh, in the housing market and and I know there are a lot of folks out there that have been waiting you know to to make a home purchase on, on the hope or expectation that house housing prices will come down we think they will still yet fall further broadly speaking certain local geographies uh all bets are off there could be you know I just read an article that the suburbs of New York City for example have you know rampant demand still for for houses um you know, uh, I spoke to a, a client who's a uh, home builder um, up here in New England, and uh, his business is, is very strong, um, you know, be, because locally, um, there's certain demographical demands that that maybe buck the trend of a nationwide uh, housing uh, situation. But broadly speaking, we we're confounded at, at the strength that, you know, the, the home home building stocks, if you just look at XHB, for example, which is a um, sector that holds, holds a bunch of home builders got as low as $50 a, a share um you know uh mid last year and it's already it, it popped up to you know over 70 and and this is all in, a, in an environment where interest rates have been rising unemployment uh employment you know data starts is starting to look a little bit um you know less uh less rosy even though it's still you know headline robust so yeah i mean i <laughs> You know that's not our style. We're not we're not short sellers like he is, and, and his style is really long short um, 
you know, a hedge fund type of, we don't do that. You know, most of our clients uh, don't, don't want that and probably couldn't stand the ride of, of that kind of strategy for at least the entirety of their portfolio. But yeah, I mean, it seems like a fundamentally a, a pretty sound short position here, but uh, you know, very, very confusing to us, frankly, what's going on in that sector. All right. Well, we'll be watching it closely. I've got <clears throat> those two ETFs that Tom mentioned, uh, ITB and XHB on my radar now. Um, all right, guys. Well, look, um, thanks so much for yet another week of breaking down what's going on. We're going to have to end it there. Um, I do want to let folks know real quick um, that the early bird pricing is still in effect for Wealthion's upcoming online conference on March 18th. It's a Saturday. Uh, reminder, if you can't watch the event live, don't worry. Everybody who registers is going to get a replay video of all the presentations and all the Q&A. Um, if you haven't checked out the conference yet, um, just go to Wealthion.com slash conference. You'll get all the details and you can uh, you know, register to lock in that early bird price as well. Real quick, though, if you haven't heard me dial through them, faculty includes, uh, let's see here if I can get this right um, uh, from memory. Uh, we've got Lacey Hunt delivering the keynote. We've got Mark, Fa Mark Faber. We've got Michael Pento, Daniel DiMartino Booth, Stephanie Pomboy. Rick Rule, Doomberg talking about energy, Nick Jurley talking about the housing market, Craig Wishner talking about investing in farmland, Mike Maloney talking about precious metals, Lucky Lopez giving a, an update on where the auto market is going to be uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, we got one or two other folks, Jeff Clark uh, just signed on to give a, a mining stock update. Um, so one or two more people were still pulling into that orbit, but a fantastic gathering of great domain experts. Hope to see you at that conference. Um, and then, uh, you know, Tom uh, runs a very specific type of shop um, uh, and he doesn't manage capital uh, himself. Uh, he, he manages his capital privately, but he doesn't manage capital for others. Um, but if you are you know, interested in like looking inside Tom's mind, um, you can subscribe to his newsletter and, you know, find out the picks that he is making his portfolio and try to include some of those in yours. Just a reminder, Tom was offering um, a discount code to wealthy on viewers. So if you go to his website, hedgefundtelemetry.com, and you enter in the code markets, you'll get a discount uh, to his service. Um, but, you know, for most people, um, trading like a hedge funder is, is it's, it's a tall order. <laughs> and so we highly recommend that you um, work under the guidance of a professional financial advisor um, who uh, can, you know, take into account all the macro issues that Tom and I talked about, um, but then actually translate them into a personalized plan for you, your particular situation, your goals, your risk tolerance, et cetera, um, and then actually help you execute up, upon that uh, that plan because most people you know, don't have the experience and quite honestly, don't have the bandwidth to do this. We all have real lives, right? Myself included. Um, so if you've got a good advisor who already does that for you, great, stick with them. But if you don't, or you'd like a second opinion of one who does, uh, talk to one of the endorsed advisors uh, that Wealthion recommends, perhaps even John and Mike and their team there at New Harbor Financial. Um, they'll give you a free consultation, doesn't cost you anything, no commitment to work with them. It's just a public service they offer to help make folks smarter and better prepared to set up one of those free consultations. Just go to Wealthion.com, fill out the short form there. Um, all right, guys, uh, getting pretty interesting in the markets here. Definitely feeling a little bit toppy, but who knows? Um, regardless, whatever the markets do, we'll see it uh, and break it down for folks uh, here together next week. 
Um, folks watching, if you have enjoyed having Tom on the program, want to see him and other great minds like him back, please support this channel by hitting the like button, then clicking on the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. John and Mike, guys, thanks again for a great week. Everybody else, thanks so much for watching. Thank you, Adam. Really enjoyed it this week. Have a good, good, good day, Adam. Thanks. If you'd like to schedule a consultation with one of the financial advisors at New Harbor Financial, simply go to Wealthion.com. These consultations are completely free and there are no strings attached. The good folks at New Harbor will simply answer any questions you have about your investment goals or your portfolio and give you their best advice given their latest market outlook. They're willing to do this because they care about protecting people's wealth. And because Wealthion has connected them with so many thoughtful investors just like you over the past decade. We started doing this because so many people have approached us in frustration, looking for a solution because they're feeling out of alignment or downright ridiculed by the standard financial advisors who have been managing their money. You know the type. The kind that just pushes all of your money into the market, scoffs at the idea of owning gold, and when you bring up concerns about the market's sky-high valuations, they say, don't worry, the market will always take care of you. For many of the reasons discussed in today's video, we think this is one of the most challenging and treacherous times in history for investing. We strongly believe that today's investors are best served working in partnership with a conscientious professional financial advisor who understands the risks in play. Now, we're agnostic which professional advisor you work with, as long as they're good. If you're already working with one, that's fantastic. Stick with them. But if you don't, or are having trouble finding one you respect or trust, then consider talking to John and Mike and the team at New Harbor. Now, for those about to ask, yes, there's a business relationship between Wealthion and New Harbor, which we've put in place to make sure everything is handled according to SEC regulations. All the details on this are clearly provided on the Wealthion.com website. Also, it's important to note that New Harbor is able to work with U.S. citizens, green card holders, and those with existing assets in the USA. But for regulatory reasons, they aren't able to take on non-U.S. clients. All right. With all that said, if you'd like some insight and guidance on how to protect your wealth during this unprecedented time in the markets, go to Wealthion.com to schedule your free consultation with the good folks at New Harbor. Thanks for watching.